President Trump doing his damnedest to get himself impeached. That is a real thing now. Gold has pulled back a little bit, but has been very, very resilient. IPOs are hitting the skids, not looking very good. People are starting to hoard cash. Be very careful out there. The White House is considering investment restrictions. Sounds like capital control to me. Um, all sorts of stuff to talk about, guys. Baltimore water bills, cops gone fucking wild. And I'm going to give you my meatless burger review that I promised. This is Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. And this is episode 38 of Bizarro World. Nick, how the heck are you? Not meatless. Going to make some beef stew this weekend and take it on a road trip to Wyoming to kill some antelope, which will be get me more real meat. I think that's an excellent place to start. I was going to talk about gold. I'm holding up relatively well and the dollar marching towards 100, as I told everybody, as we told everybody it would. Um, we'll see how much, how severe I should say that pullback is, excuse me. Let's talk about your trip to Wyoming. What do you have going on there, Nick? Oh, I wasn't necessarily planning that to talk about Wyoming, but I will make a 13-hour drive from Spokane to just north of Gillette next Tuesday. Um, drew a tag to, to pursue a buck, a male um, antelope, the fastest uh, <laughs> land animal in, in North America and perhaps the world over some distances. So should be a challenge, should be interesting. Looking to get away for a bit. Uh, unplug will be good. It's been a crazy couple of weeks here on the, the home and work front. And, you know, me, I, I like the outdoors anyway. So if I can go nestle into some mountains for three nights, I'll be a happy man. You know, you have um, three children under three. And I actually want to get into later on in the podcast just what that's like, you made a comment to me earlier in the week that you now have a much uh, deeper appreciation for what moms typically go through, right? The typical mom um, that tends to have a couple of kids um, in the household and, and, and has to carry, you know, carry that burden um, oftentimes where the husband is working and, and providing on the financial end. But you made a comment earlier this week that you had a much deeper appreciation. I want to dig into that a little bit. Um, let's talk markets. We'll get, we'll, we'll do my meatless burger review at the end there. Um, gold okay. pulled back to 1497. We've been kind of telling everybody that this would happen. I've said that it wouldn't surprise me to see a pullback all the way to the 1385 area, to be perfectly honest with you. We'll see if that materializes. Um, silver, despite all the chest pounding there has not managed to break that, you know, 2050 level that it really has to break before we get a real breakout on the silver front, it's pulled back as well. Closed at 1747 today. And as I mentioned up top, the dollar is the dollar index is at 9910, marching towards that triple digit number. Thoughts on that, Nick? I can't help but notice that the junior equities are beginning tax loss selling season a bit early this year. Um, you know, a pullback, you say a pullback to, to 1486 uh, or 1495. It's like music to my ears, right? I mean, gold pulling 1385. Back sorry, is, sorry, sorry. Take that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying where it is now. It's pulled back from 1520 or 1530, wherever it was a couple of days ago to below 1500 now. And, and man, if you'd have told me that, um, you know, we'd be talking about a pullback to below 1500 a year ago. I mean, that, that would have been music to my ears. And so I think we continue to be in a very good spot. And as, as you and I have discussed before, it would still be healthy to go uh, below 1400 would create energy for the sustained move that I know you've been calling 
calling for for a while now and, and quite frankly would, would would maybe give people who haven't started to pay attention yet uh, the opportunity to slip into some quality names. I, I put the, the folks who read my letter into um, a name that you've been following and introduced me to yesterday. And um, if these stocks had taken right off or if gold had gone straight to 16 or 1700, I think some of these opportunities would be gone. And so I welcome the healthy development, the ebbs and flows of a new bull market for sure. Excellent. You had cash, you, you, you took cash off the table. You had some cash on the side. Have you started deploying that other than in the company that you just recommended to subscribers, which I know you were an existing shareholder of, but have you started to take some of that capital um, and, 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 and started nibbling at any of the juniors out there? I've not, I probably won't take that cash out of the, the, uh, the Vanguard uh, tax preferred account where it's at. I'm, I'm sort of, Still watching U.S. equities, they're, they're, they pulled back and they went um, almost back to record territory. But I, I still see warning signs out there, Gerardo. I don't want to put that cash back to work. What I'm saying is when I put that cash back to work, it'll be in some sort of mainstream mutual fund or index fund or maybe a sector uh, specialized fund. But certainly something in the, in the Vanguard house inside my uh, IRA. And so I haven't put it back to work yet. And. And you could say I missed out on this this recent rally where um, the broad market regained the losses it, it, it had starting in, in July and August. But I haven't seen any really conviction in new highs. The S&P got back to just around 3,000. The Dow got back to just around 27,000. But on no real strong news or fundamentals, it just sort of meandered back up there. And then when it got there, it looked lost. I'm personifying the broad markets now. They're acting like people. <laughs> But they did. They got right there, and then it, they were really scared. Right, there was nothing to push them over <laughs> to, to new highs. And so you're making me feel just, bad for the market, Nick. I know it's lost. Right? It's you scared. Should. Yeah, it really is. It's tepid. It doesn't know where to go. And gold just continues to to show strength. The manufacturing indexes are looking a bit weak. We obviously know that economies in other parts of the world um, aren't doing so great. And um, you mentioned gold prices and silver prices, but something I mentioned, I think a week or two, a week or two ago here was like palladium and rhodium, which are still showing strength. And so, you know, I think it's um, on like Donkey Kong. I told my wife the other day and she said, did you really write that in a letter? I said, well, I didn't put it in those terms, but that's sort of how I feel. <laughs> you are not the only person that is being cautious. Um, there were a couple of IPOs, one in particular, um, that that basically pulled <laughs> pulled its offering the, the the night before in what can be described as nothing short of a fucking clusterfuck of uh, a corporate um, execution. But you know, I know you want to talk WeWork. I know you want to talk Peloton. I know you want to talk um, that aspect of the market. It's probably a symptom of exactly what you just described. Do you want to get into that a little bit? I'd love to. And, and for the record, I told you the CEO of WeWork was a scumbag probably six or seven or eight weeks ago on this podcast. And we talked about his yes, self-dealing, how he was and how the no longer CEO. Right. Oh, surprise, surprise. We get things right sometimes. Um, and how he was self-dealing. Right. He was leasing companies that he had purchased back to WeWork. Right. Sort of like double dipping in, in, in typical scumbag CEO fashion. And then flash forward here. Um, and they, they couldn't get the valuation they needed to, to go public. And, and um, 
John Lutz, who works for us and, 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 and publishes this podcast and, and helps with the Resource Stock Digest website, he sent me a very interesting article by Matt Levine or Matt Levin, however you say his name, on Bloomberg the other week. And he was talking about um, instead of we work, it was like, we don't want to. That was the title <laughs> of the thing. And he was saying, <laughs> he, was, he, he, made, he, he broke down we work like a lemonade stand. And he was saying, look, if you got a lemonade stand and you got to put capital into it, but you're not making money selling the lemonade. Like, why would you raise eight billion dollars and make a bunch of more lemonade stands that don't make money? And it's like he was like so, he was like sorry for the like the lemonade economics, but and it, you know it makes total sense. It's nothing that we haven't discussed before, Gerardo. Whether it's the lack of profitability in Uber, which I know we've talked about, um, or Pandora, or whatever it is, on and on, right? Um, how these these big quote unquote unicorns, these multi billion dollar startups. That aren't profitable and the mantra had always been well they got to get to scale first they got to reach critical mass and, and some of those has been a success like alibaba for example where softbank was able to parlay you know 20 billion into 100 billion dollars and that's why they plowed headlong into WeWork. but it's a it's a it's a treadmill gerardo i mean they're not all they can't all work out and you're seeing that in uber now where they're they're trying to scale and they're losing money in their food delivering in- endeavors, which we've talked about here. And then, um, you know, look, you got uh, Uber and Lyft who did make it to trade, but their prices collapsed afterward. And now you got Peloton looking awful soft because surprise, surprise, the fucking exercise bike that your grandmother had in the spare bedroom with an iPad <laughs> strapped to it isn't a great investment. <laughs> Do you know what Peloton means in Spanish? I don't, but I would love to. It's slang for ballsy. Ooh, or, or, balls or one with well-endowed balls. Well, that would probably hurt if you spend too much time on the old, the old cycle machine there, depending Pelot- on the seat. <laughs> Peloton. Depending on the seat adjustment. It's a ballsy name. <laughs> it's a ballsy business model. It's a ballsy business model. You got to have a set on you to think that was going to work. <laughs> yeah, and so you're just running into fatigue, right? Whether it's, you know... And then, let me just pull up. The, I had an article up here I was going to cite. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, we're talking about the return of IPOs here since um, the IPO did in 2019. Slack down a percent, Fiverr down 4%, uh, Uber down 24%, Jumia, I don't even know what that is, down 25%, Lyft down 35%. And some of them did okay. Let me not just be selective in my information. Beyond Meat, which I know we're going to get to, has, has returned over 500%. Um, since it went public, but it's certainly out, uh, the outlier. There's no tech IPOs in 2019 that are up multiple hundred percents, um, <laughs> like Beyond Meat. The over half of them are down, and so um, look, it's like a function of of what's been going on in in the economy. Sorry for just you know verbal diarrhea and taking it all over, but you had all this cheap money right for the past 10 years, and and it was so easy for venture capitalists to give these to give these startups billions of dollars and to keep feeding them and to keep feeding them. And here we are 10 years later, we have like a tightening of the cycle, the recession is starting to flash around, um, the rates which you and I talk about all the time. And, and like you said, people are starting to be a little bit more cautious of your cash. So it's like, you know what, maybe we don't want to invest another $9 billion in the money losing lemonade stand. You know what I mean? And so that's just stuff that's percolating throughout the entire market when you read about billionaires going to safe havens or whatever 1920s Porsches not meeting their reserve bid at Sotheby's auctions or whatever it is there's all these things that you and I have discussed that we point to as anecdotal but here we have it materializing in a very real way with a major failed IPO in the ouster of a 
of a, a CEO. So these are sort of like, and I view that as hopeful, right? Absolutely. <laughs> like, looks like it like bad, bad news. Like, oh, we work imploded. I'm like, fuck, that's great. Like more <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely agree. I had a conversation with the CEO about a month ago and he said, Gerardo, you don't understand. A lot of these TSX venture companies are going to cease to exist. And I said, good, they should. Yeah. They should. Sometimes um, letting the business cycle run its course is the appropriate course of action. It should always be the appropriate course of action. But let me ask you this, Nick, what happens when your rich Uncle Sam, which is really just you and I, average Joe taxpayer, um, decides that it's going to go ahead and subsidize the lemonade stand, right? To take your metaphor, um, we're now seeing the softball white papers from the think tanks and academics, which is really just Fed speak, um, der a derivative of Fed speak, right? Um, proposing an expansion of the balance sheet that they just got done reducing. I mean, this is, you talk about, you know, uh, my, my Halloween costume this year is going to be Two-Face, right? Harry Fraud, Two-Face, the, the, the villain. This is just, I mean, talking out of both sides, we literally just stopped the expansion of the balance sheet. We just stopped the tightening of it, right? We finally walked it back a little bit. And now they're talking about just making a U-turn and, and, and you know, flooding uh, the market with money again. So does that make that lemonade stand business a whole lot more viable? Jordan, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, exactly. A year ago. Exactly. <laughs> That's where ago. I was going. They said that rates were going to be rising right now, and rates are, in fact, um, being cut, and they have been cut for the past two meetings in a row, and there's will likely be another one, even though the, the dot plot doesn't say it or the whatever, the Fed members didn't vote like there was going to be another cut coming. There will be another cut, and so, no, it doesn't make the lemonade stand more profitable. It might allow it to operate at a loss for a bit longer, but um, to me, the end conclusion here, the culmination of this... Um, is clear and it's in, it's in much higher gold prices in a, in a flight to safe havens. Agreed. Not helping <laughs> is President Trump. A couple of things. I'm going to start with um, the, the White House now considering limiting Chinese investment. So the White House is considering limits on U.S. investment into China. They're discussing ways to curb U.S. financial exposure there, including a block of all American investment in the country. Um, the discussions are said to be in early stages, but I have to guess if they are being made public, that is for a reason. That reason, of course, is negotiations and talks with China in this ongoing trade war that has lasted longer than I anticipated it would. It's having a real effect on the global economy. I continue to believe um, that despite doing everything he possibly can to end his presidency prematurely, President Trump is actually right on China. I think it's it's far overdue that somebody actually negotiated in a serious fashion with China and and, and then the theft of the IP um, that's been going on for decades. However, man, talk about a thousand deaths, right? This is tough. I mean, this would have um, far-reaching implications. We're talking indexes and the delisting of certain Chinese companies from U.S. stock exchanges. And that can get real nasty really quick. Any thoughts on that front? Now we're going to talk impeachment proceedings because unlike the Mueller report that, you know, was was all hype, really, there wasn't a lot there. Um, this one seems to have some legs because it's basically what he said and what he did. Um, but let's talk about it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, I don't have specific thoughts on that because I haven't read about it and I haven't seen too much about what you're describing. What I will say, though, is that um, 
you know, for the past, call it 12 to 24 months, uh, those of us in the, um, I don't know what you want to call it, the safe haven camp or the resource camp or the libertarian camp um, or whatever, have sort of seen the writing on the wall. And you've done a great job at articulating how um, it was going to go from Japan to Europe to the United States. And, you know, we always had these good talks and we we talk about rates and economies and, and what we see happening. And we always say, but no one's got a crystal ball, but no one knows what that catalyst is going to be or, or what it's going to be that takes it, I'm just generalizing now, takes sure. it over the top. So, sort of like the conversation that's had in the uranium market, right? It's a matter of uh, when, not if. We just don't know what the catalyst is. So what I'd say about the China thing that you just described is catalysts are starting to pop up with much more frequency. Yes, sir. Um, and one of them is going to be the one. And so I still don't know what the catalyst is or what it's going to come. But what I do know is that um, the half-life between potential uh, um, catalysts for, that would induce a flight to gold or a flight to safety or however you want to frame that um, are becoming shorter and shorter, whether that's the time between, um, you know, it took to get to an inverted yield curve or, or now the failed WeWork IPO or now the stuff with China you're talking about. And here's the impeachment thing. It's like, boom, 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 boom. But they're just getting sooner and sooner and sooner. And one of them is going to be the one, right? It's like it's like the final snowflake that causes the avalanche, right? Agreed. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. We haven't talked about it yet um, on the formal impeachment inquiry. We should we should be very clear that this is an inquiry as to whether or not to proceed with impeachment, which is very different. But um, this one feels different to me because President Trump doubled down on it publicly. This isn't something the Democrats made up. This isn't nope. something they think was said. This isn't something that was whispered. This is something the president said he did, doubled down on it, doubled down on it proudly, frankly. Um, and, and we're now learning a whole lot more that doesn't look good. We're learning that the potential whistleblower um, was somebody from his own camp. We're learning that the potential witnesses that were there are from his own team again. This isn't something that was initiated from the left as far as that aspect of it goes. We know about, you know, all the deep state stuff and some of that's conspiracy theory stuff. Some of that's very real, right? I think there is a concerted effort to get President Trump out of there. He's not making it any harder for them than, than, than it has to be. And I think this might this might actually do it. Um, with that being said, he had his biggest fundraising day on the back of the inquiry. He had a $13 million fundraising day. Um from the base being galvanized by what in any other time in our history would be considered treason. The ironic thing to me is the comment that he says he made to his staffers in regards to whoever the whistleblower is. He says, you know what they used to do to spies back then, right? When they committed treason, obviously implying that they would be executed. So again, not doing himself any favors Thoughts on this one, Nick? Is is, is this going to blow over like um, the Mueller thing, or do you think this has got some more teeth? Uh, this has a bit of teeth. I watched it fester. So it started in early September with 
uh, some news reportings, I think the Washington Post and a couple of other outlets. And and you got to love Twitter, right? Because you can cast such a wide net and you can follow people who are involved in reporting on these stories directly and sort of watch them evolve in real time. And so I want to say it was like the first or early in the second week of September, I started seeing some journalists tweet this and saying, follow this story, folks. This one's got heat. This one's got some legs. And so I did. Um, it was a, a uh, a, a woman named uh, her last name is Brandon. I, I forget her first name, but I'll, I'll post a link to her um, to her Twitter feed at the, underneath this podcast, and you'll see the threads that she's posted on this for the past uh, call it two or three weeks. And so it does feel different now. I'm as jaded as the rest <laughs> of the American public when it comes to hearing about Trump and the headlines and the partisan politics. And I feel like for the entire first two years of his presidency, he was being impeached every week with with. Um, really no follow through and 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 a, a utter lack of teeth. And it just was something that was time consuming and distracting. But if you look at this objectively, as I try to do with political things, it, it doesn't look great. Um, he had pulled um, some some vitally needed military aid from one of our allies, Ukraine, uh, prior to asking them to investigate one of his um, most serious political rivals headed into uh, a general election next year. Like you said, he admitted it. Uh, the White House released a transcript. Uh, you just know that the, the left has been gunning for him, obviously, since since he was elected. It's been their number one political goal. And, and, and if I'll digress for just a second, if you look at some of like the poll of polls, like some of the stuff that, that Nate Silver and 538 does about you know, what are some of the top Democratic themes? You know, is it the economy stupid? Is it whatever? Um, cops being violent or, um, you know, whatever the top issues are. Do you know what the top issue is for Democrats, Gerardo? I found this fascinating when I read it last week because it's not even an issue. It's not even an issue like that the the, the common man is is worried about. What's their top the number issue? one? It's getting rid of Trump. It's not like making the roads better or cleaning up the water or climate change or raising the minimum wage or abortion, the number one Democratic issue, if you poll them, is simply beating Trump. They don't care who it is. They don't care if it's a, a Raggedy Ann doll on a mock post. <laughs> it, it literally doesn't matter who it is or what their platform is as as long as they beat Trump. And I know I just digressed for a bit. and But all that to say, that is their number one goal. And so I think they're going to pursue this. You've got a, a formal inquiry started, as you said, the whistleblower. I wanted to post a picture of me blowing a whistle this week, by the way. I thought that would be funny. I still, I, I still might do it. I have a big old whistle. I think um, the, the title for this podcast should be Who Blows the Best the Best Whistle? I'm the best whistleblower. <laughs> um, but no, to answer your question, it, it doesn't look good. Uh, what he did was clearly wrong. You can't use the presidential office and taxpayer money and 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 – uh, try to coerce our allies to, for your political gains. It's, it's clearly not right. Lots of things this president has done are not right. And the only thing I can say is we shall see because um, despite the whistleblowing coming from his own camp, we know that like the Lindsey Grahams and the, 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 the turtle, the turtle O'Connells of the world, they are firmly supportive of this president. And so we'll see where it goes. But to answer your question directly, this has a bit more heat than the, than the past two years and two years of impeachment would be. Agreed. I think we can all agree volatility is going to be a permanent uh, theme here for the next, um, definitely the next several years. And if we're right about 
this fourth turning, I think, you know, 2020 is going to start with a bang and we're probably going to end it with one as well. Um, you mentioned, it, yeah, go ahead. Can I go for one more second? Absolutely. So, when I watch this whole thing unfold, I just want to bang my head against the desk because some of the the ways in which it has to unfold to me are just so archaic and so stupid, for lack of a better word. Like, did you read even the whistleblower complaint, like how formally it had to be worded? And according to Section 272-9 of the Code F of the, this and that, like, I don't understand why it has to be that complex. And then it's like, well, I don't know. The gentleman from Kentucky says we can't release the transcript because this security official says this. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, do the citizens own the government or not? Like, are we allowed to know what the president is, is discussing on the phone or not? And that's some of the stuff that just boils my libertarian blood because people just eat that up. Like, oh, it's it's classified. It must be in the best interest. Fuck you. You work for me. Absolutely. And, and and I think that's one of the biggest swindles in American history is the, the wool that has been placed in front of people's eyes. The average American citizen who, who believes that it has to vote a person, that it has to vote according to party lines. 30 years from now, we're going to look back and it's going to be an absolute insanity that we had to go to the poll and pick one way or pick the other um, or, or, or write people in. It's just so antiquated. Everything about our system is so antiquated. And, and that gets me to my next thing that, you know, makes my blood boil. You talked about taxpayer dollars being misallocated. Our money, citizen money, right? The reason police departments exist is because you and I pay property taxes and all sorts of other taxes to make sure that we have healthy police departments. And what are these fucking people doing this week? Well, in Orlando, a police officer was fired for arresting two six-year-old students because the six-year-olds were throwing quote-unquote air quotes tantrums. This guy arrested two six-year-old students. They were cuffed. They were taken down to a juvenile detention center. You're about to put your kid into school here, Nick. How would you feel no matter how bad a tantrum your kid threw? Your six-year-old. We're not talking about a 16-year-old kid that weighed 200 pounds, that was throwing punches or throwing, you know, fire extinguishers at, at, at other kids. These were two six-year-old rowdy little kids were arrested. That's in Orlando. Well, I yeah. I would be in cuffs, first of all. Correct. Um. Second of all, it's it's actually a, a tough issue. Now, the you don't put five and six year olds in handcuffs, but I'll tell you, it happens more often than than is reported in the news, and, and certainly much more often than this uh, one example in Orlando. And I tell you how I know it's because my father is involved in the planning of bus routes in the county in which he resides, and the training of bus drivers, and they. I won't say frequently, but I've talked to him and on more than one occasion, they have had to restrain an elementary school student on a bus. Now, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you what's happening out there. And the reasons he says why is, well, the bus driver can't touch him because the parent is going to claim abuse. Um, and how else? How else do you do you deal with a child who is about to, to break windows? Or is, and, I, and I don't know what happened in her. I haven't seen that story. I'm just telling you other stories that I've that I've been relayed from from people that work at public schools. 
Um, if you can't get the parent there and sort of playing devil's advocate a bit, I sure, guess, if you sure, can't sure. get the parent there and the bus driver isn't allowed to touch them, what do you do with a six-year-old who's about to throw himself out of the window of a moving school bus? No, and I have zero problems with the restraint part of it, right? The problem I have is you better damn sure not take my six-year-old, cuff him or her, and then drive them unaccompanied by a guardian without another adult present to a police station or juvenile detention center or wherever the fuck you want to take them. You're not taking my kid off of school grounds um, unsupervised. And, and, And I just hope that you're one of the good cops because more and more, there's either less good cops out there or they're very quiet when the bad shit happens, which brings me to my next story. Here, it's the latter. It, it, it is the latter. It, it absolutely is the latter. And, and, and you know how we know that, you know, because we're here. And again, I don't mean to paint with a broad brush, but it's just too much, guys. It's too much. We're, we're, I'm sitting here in Austin, Texas, just outside of it. And just outside of Dallas, there's a trial going on um, of an officer who's being charged with murder. Um, Amber Geiger, she went to her apartment complex after getting off her shift, walked to, correct, walked to the wrong floor, walked to the wrong apartment, there was an African-American gentleman sitting in his couch watching TV like many people do in the evening, and this lady opened the door, saw somebody sitting down on the couch, yelled, put your hands up. According to testimony, the gentleman yelled, what are you doing? Get out of my house. And she killed him. Mm-hmm. The lead investigator in, in, testifying in front of a judge <laughs> says that she, that, that, that she, the officer who killed this gentleman, he doesn't believe she did anything wrong. She, he doesn't believe she committed a crime because she felt that the gentleman in his house on his couch in his apartment, presented a deadly threat. Come on, guys. Come on, America. We're paying these assholes to get up in court and lie to us to exonerate their fellow officers. I am all for good cops. We need good cops. We, we need to quit this shit where cops just don't tell the truth because they want to protect their own. It's not good for society. It's not good for the communities that these cops are in. Um, and it sure and they'll pisses me off that I'm given tax dollars so these assholes can go up in front of judges and juries and lie, outright lie about what is going on. Which brings me well, to something. You and, yeah, go ahead. You and me both, Gerardo. No, I don't have to add anything to that. I think the things I've written and the things I've said publicly and, and put on social media, I mean, you know where I fall on this issue. The bad cops have got to go and they're not going to go until the good cops stand up and say something, right? Because what's the famous quote? All it takes for evil to prevail in this world is for good men to do nothing. And the good cops, they do nothing to throw the bad apples out of the cart. And until that happens, the good cops are bad cops. And no one wants to fucking hear that because of the thin blue line and how much they, whatever, sacrifice to serve our country and lie to us. <laughs> yes. And and if human, if, if human life isn't enough people for, 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 for you all to get upset and demand some accountability from your local police departments... Um, there's also a financial toll that this takes. Um, you know, we had a headline today, Stormy Daniels, one of my favorite Twitter accounts, um, just settled her lawsuit against the city of Columbus, Ohio. Do you know how much money she got? I'm about to find out. Do you remember what happened in Columbus, Ohio? 
Oh God, it had did it have to do with a strip club? Yeah, so I'll provide some context, right? She was performing at a strip club um in a in, in a relatively conservative part of Ohio. A lot of Ohio is relatively conservative. But it was a strip club. She went to the strip club. She did what strippers do. She stripped. There were gentlemen there that were having a great time. A couple of those gentlemen were undercover cops that happened to find out that she was there stripping that night. They reached in to her bosom, put their faces in her tits. She shook them. And then they proceeded to arrest her for inappropriately touching the clients. Okay. Mm -hmm. So clearly, clearly politically motivated cops with a certain view of the world that didn't care for Stormy Daniels's persona. So that now is going to cost the city of Columbus, Ohio, a nice $450,000 because you had two idiot cops with their own personal beliefs that couldn't separate personal from professional and decided to make an example or try to out of somebody in her own work environment for doing nothing wrong. $450,000. And that's the settlement. I, I, I don't know what it's going to take for America to realize that we need to change so many of our systems that are in place. They are so outdated. Um, and I mean, you know, we could do this every week. If I look for stories, I could find them every week, right? Stuff like oh, this. Like, yeah. And it, it, it's just, it, it, it's out of control. It's absolutely out of control. Um, that's it. That's all I got on that. I'll, I, that one <laughs> gets me going every time, but I'll, I'll leave it there. What do you got, what do you Nick? got next? I know you wanted oh, to talk well. about Carson King. Well, it's sort of a it's sort of a continuation of that, right? Because yep. you got th these cops who, I mean, it's all connected, right? I mean, we're all connected. This yep. you got this guy Carson King. You want to you want to let cops go operate with impunity just because they got a badge on, they can do whatever they want: rape, pillage, kill, steal. You didn't even touch on uh, like police interdiction where they just steal your shit after they pull you over and you can't get it back. That's a whole uh, another issue. Or set or set any... you up if you don't have shit. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, Baltimore Gun Task Force. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um, so then you get people that actually do good, um, like this gentleman, Carson King. I don't know if you had a chance to follow this story. I but did. It, I did. It, it, did. it kicked off an important discussion about cancel culture this week in the United States. So you hear you had this kid, Carson King. Um, you know, he's at a University of Iowa football game, whatever. He's holding up a sign that says, um, I'm, I'm out of bush light. I need some more bush light. Could you Venmo me some money? And he puts his Venmo handle on the sign. Well, he ends up getting on ESPN's college game day and the money comes a rolling in much more than he needs to buy a case of bush light, like a hundred thousand dollars and then $200,000 and then three. And then bush light says, Oh, then he says, Hey, this is more money than I need to buy beer. I'm going to donate it to the university of Iowa, uh, children's hospital wonderful thing to do right amazing I thing absolutely earlier this week bush light says wonderful thing to do we'll we'll match you sir um and venmo also says great thing to do we will match you one million dollars ends up getting raised for this um children's hospital fantastic thing and then and a little context this gentleman is 24 years old now right that's important that's right yep yeah young kid so um this obviously makes national news. People are tweeting about it, whatever. It's getting viral. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, this reporter at the Des Moines Register decides to do a story about Carson King. 
digs up a couple of tweets from eight years ago when the, when he was 16, um, which could have been jokes, could have been construed as racist jokes, whatever. I'm fine with, with racial-based jokes. Um, I'll make one later if you want, and then someone can try to cancel me in 10 years when they listen. <laughs> um, and so he found these, he said, he wrote an article in the Des Moines Register of the profile of Carson and what I just told you about him raising money, and then said, oh, by the way, Carson has... Um, he tweeted these these things about uh, black people when he was 16. And then, oh, my gosh, we have to cancel Carson. His raising a million dollars for the children's hospital is, is it just can't be a good deed in today's in today's culture. We have to ostracize this this person for making tweets eight years ago. Bush Light has to publicly come out and and disown associating with him. And 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 then. But then there was a backlash to the backlash, which I absolutely reveled in. And I've been waiting for this to happen because um, now I'm just going to rant for a little bit. You mentioned Sticks and Stones or you recommended I watch Sticks and Stones by Dave Chappelle a couple of weeks ago. And then I did. And he starts off that comedy special by yes. saying um, <laughs> yes. he points he points at the audience and he says, y'all are fucked up. He's like, I don't want to perform for you. I forget the exact wording he used, but he was saying, I'll make a joke. And he was like, and then y'all are going to go back and dig up something I did 12 or 15 years ago and try to cancel me. He's like, fuck you. You guys are the problem. I don't even want to perform for you. And that's like the entire country, right? You can't even raise a million dollars for a children's hospital without someone going deep into your social media history and trying to cancel you outright. And, and we've just seen this perpetuated over and over. Outrage about this. Outrage about this. You know, I've been outraged about fake outrage for like two or three years now. <laughs> I've been finally, there with you. I've been there with finally, you. <laughs> finally, this fucking reporter got fired because there was such a backlash to him. And not only did he get fired, but he himself had racist tweets, the hypocrite motherfucker. Yeah, fuck that guy. And and and, and, <laughs> I, and, I, and I want to say this, you know, the, the, the kid, this Carson King kid, he was 16 when he, when he made the post. He says he was quoting a show. He was actually quoting... Um, Tosh.0, right? Which is, is, is a show that's well known for, you know, pushing the boundaries, pushing the lines. Do we, do we, do we, do we encourage racist language? Do we encourage? No, 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 no. Do you have the right to be racist? Everybody has the right to have their own opinions and be racist. Sure you do. Keep it to yourself or you might get hit, you might get shot, you might get beat up. Um, you know, things happen when, when you voice your opinions, but you have the right to believe what you want to believe. Why can't we do both say, Hey, this kid did a great thing, raising a million dollars for a great cause. And he made some shitty tweets when he was 16 tweets that he apologized about here, eight years later, um, that he explained. And again, whether you believe him or not, you have every right to believe him or not. Um, but why can't we as a society take one thing, put it here and take the other thing and put it there. Um, and, and, and get on with it. I don't get it. Um, it was just a couple of weeks ago we canceled the new. I don't even know the SNL guy's name because I don't care about SNL. But they fired some some new comedian that was supposed to join the show because he had made some like Asian jokes back in the day. Like I don't get it, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't like that guy though. So fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really the way this whole thing works, right? That's really yeah. the way this whole thing works. It's it's if 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 somebody is likable enough. Um, you know, public enough, um, wealthy enough. Oftentimes, if you can hire the right team, um, to clean your stuff up and spin it, you know, you can almost get away with anything in this country. In the famous words of President Trump, right? 
um, who said that he could shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue and uh, get get away with it. Nothing would happen. He seems hell-bent on testing that theory. Um, we're going to see how that works out for him. Um, but that that really is what cancel culture is nowadays. You know, do 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 I have to buy Chick-fil-A's awesome chicken sandwiches if their corporate beliefs don't align with mine? No, but I shouldn't trash somebody who does, right? Um, do, do, do people have to subscribe to our podcast or our newsletters if they don't believe that we should be opining on social and cultural issues in our country because we care? No, they don't have to subscribe. You can vote with your dollar, people. Um, but it also is not going to prevent me from writing it or saying it, right? So I just, I, you know, I, I think we have to get to a place in this country where we just have civil discourse and, and we can agree to disagree in a way that isn't just toxic to everything and does nothing to advance a real discussion, right? Right. You want to have a, you want to have a discussion about an interesting topic? You mean to talk about the Baltimore water bills? That's why you're here, Mr. Hodge, to be insightful, intelligent, and informative. And every now and then tell us a nice story about something. Well, I'll try. I, I don't know how many, <laughs> how many of those things this is, but um, I had read a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, we've been reading more and more about universal basic income and debt, student loan debt forgiveness and Medicare for all and everybody gets something uh, for free, right? Um, Andrew Yang is going to buy your vote and Bernie is going to give you all free education and, and free health care and on and on. And so the other week I found it interesting when I saw that um, the Cornell Medical School was, and you've seen, let me backtrack for a second, you've seen some, at like commencement speeches, for example, where um, some rich former alum will, will forgive or, or, or pay for all of that that class's uh, debt. I'm sure you've seen that Absolutely. in the past year. Absolutely. Yeah, that fantastic. That, the entire class. Happened. And then he challenged all the other alumni to do something as good the next year. That was awesome. That's right. And then so other colleges are starting to experiment with with things, right? I saw one med school that was, um, if you can get in, you could go for free. I forget which one that was. But the, now this is where I'm starting to um, get more interested in this and where the nuance comes in. So Cornell Medical School now has said that you can go for free, but only if you qualify for financial aid. If you don't qualify for financial aid, you have to pay. How do you feel about that? If you don't qualify, you have to pay. I believe if the alumni- If you do qualify, but if you do qualify, you get the whole thing for free. Not just the financial aid, you get to just go to Cornell Med School for free. I would, ha I would have to dig into two things. One, what the qualification guidelines are. Two, if the money that is going to be used for, let's say me going there for free, is coming from private alumni donors. If that's the case, I don't have a problem with it if it's private alumni that are donating that money specifically for that. Because then if I was the donor and I mandated that my funds go towards kids that have the grades, have the talent, have everything but the income, um, I'm okay with that if, 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 if it's private money. Now, if it's school funds um, from the school budget, that's a different matter. Then, then that's where I think we have to have a different conversation and really get into, you know, what the guidelines are, um, you know, the, 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 the dichotomy of if the kid really can't afford it and the only thing missing is the money, um, then how much do we lose in talent as a society 
by, by not finding a way to subsidize that talent in hope that, you know, in the future society benefits from the next doctor or the next tech whiz or whatever that may be. And that, you know, you, you know, I don't think there's a right answer to that, but if it's private it's money, it is, but if it's private money coming from private donors, from alumni that are saying, like the gentleman at Cornell that said, hey, look, it's my money. I'm paying for the whole class this year. All of your college debt is eliminated. He didn't say who qualifies, who doesn't. He just said, it's my money. I got it. I'm paying for the whole class. Hey, alumni next year, the next speaker that has the speech next year, top that one. I thought that was great. I thought that was fantastic. You know, we talked T. Boone Pickens a couple of weeks ago. And one of, I, I, I read a piece that he wrote that was meant to be read after he passed away. And one of the things that he encouraged us to do as a society was not depend on government to fix it all. You know, having more initiative as private citizens. Um, so yeah, private money, private donors. This is what I want the private money to go to. All for it. If it's coming from the school budget and it's going to affect the quality of education and everything else, and we got to have another discussion about um, how fair that is to the students that are paying to go to the college. Yep. That are struggling. Yeah, that, that was are, my next question. Yeah, that, that that are working two jobs. You know, my my brother was a recipient of I don't know how many scholarships because he was brilliant and and got all sorts of help. But you know, he also worked two jobs and 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 worked throughout college. Um, and and busted his ass and got through and 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 is now giving back and making you know meaningful contributions and 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 hopefully he passes that on. Um, so it just really depends. You know, it, it really does depend on what um the intent of that original money, where, where that money came from and what the intent was, what, what was it meant to do? I gotcha. Um, I can't help but wonder if I was paying for my student to go to that school alongside a student who wasn't paying, how I would feel about that or how I could justify it or if I would just send my, or encourage my kid to go to another uh, school or, you know, what ultimately wealthy families are going to do is like, they're going to like get their kid adopted into somebody else's name so they can get qualified to have financial aid. Some of that stuff goes down already, but um, you're just going to create a framework where wealthy people come up with new ways to make themselves look poor. Now, here's the next kicker. So Baltimore City has sent a plan to the legislature, which means um, they're voting on it, that Um, Poor people can pay less water bills for using the same amount of water as people uh, who can afford to pay. Does that make sense? So use the same amount of water, but if you're poor, you pay less. Is that fair? No. (laughs) Fuck that shit. No. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Fuck that shit. It's right. And so... Get a roommate. Get two roommates. Get three roommates. Do what immigrant families have been doing from whatever country they come from. Grouping up. Uncles, aunts, let's all pitch in for the water bill. Let's do this. Let's buy a duplex between all 10 of us and figure it out. Hey, that's that's the spirit. That's the entrepreneurial spirit that's made this country great. If you can't afford the water, get a couple of buddies, room up, find a way to afford the water, right? Yep. Well, that's not what Baltimore's doing. Baltimore moved one step closer this week to implementing a water billing system that will charge poorer residents less than more wealthy residents. Through the use of credits, the legislation establishes a tiered billing system tied to income. For the city's poorest residents, it would cap their water bill at no more than 1% of their annual pay. Nobody capped my water bill when I was poor, Gerardo. Yeah, see, that's nobody capped. Yeah, that's nobody capped my tu- Nobody capped my tuition at a private university when I was poor, Gerardo. Agreed. I made it. Agreed. Agreed. And the other side of that is this is, again, why bringing it back to the business cycle. The business cycle should be allowed to run its course. Um, the the, the com- complete opposite side of that is corporate welfare, right? And all the bullshit that we subsidize, oil companies, coal companies, all sorts of companies that we as taxpayers 
knowingly or unknowingly subsidize. You can't make a fucking profit. Get the fuck out of the business. It's, it's, it's that simple. I don't want to subsidize oil companies. I don't want to subsidize banks. I don't, I, I don't want to do it the same way that I don't want to subsidize somebody's water bill. Education's a gray area for me because again, if it's private money and that's what I want my private money to go to, then that's where I want my dollars headed, right? Different conversation there on that front of it, if it's private. But when it comes to this, yeah, both sides of it, whether it's corporates or just somebody that just is having a hard time in life right now, <laughs> no, no, I don't, I, there, there shouldn't be subsidies. That, that, that's a very slippery slope um, that doesn't lead to good outcomes for anybody. It's getting tough. It's getting tough out there. Um, wealth disparity in the United States is the widest it has ever been um, since it started being tracked. <laughs> and you in said the w- w- widest, not widest, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. An important distinction. I wanted to make sure we didn't get canceled for, for, for the wrong thing. If we're going to get canceled, we got to make it count, damn it. It's the widest it's ever <laughs> been. And so it's really, really tough. And I think about a couple of things. Um, gosh, what do I think about? I think about the, the fact that, you know, my wife tells me, you know, sometimes we invite people over to our house and they never come back. And I, and I think about that and I, and I, and I, and I wonder why. Um, cause they're assholes. I was there once. I haven't been back. I've been busy, but I, I can't wait to go. We got to meet little Nick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There, I do. I do. I do. I was being funny. And, and then I think about like, um, well, let's take it back to impeachment and how we spent the first, you know, two years of this president's term in the Congress trying to get him out <laughs> as the number one in part is the number one, uh, democratic, you know, principle or concern as opposed to like, you know, really working towards increasing the federal minimum wage that has been set below $8 for the past decade, which make no mistake is corporate welfare, as you just defined. And so I would much rather see an increase in minimum wage than a than a um, unfair, seemingly arbitrary scheme on who pays less for what. Agreed. Agreed. I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I wish I had like a counterpoint or I could play devil's advocate with you. But no, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, the, uh, the right. water bill thing is a bit crazy. The water anyway. bill, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, what's next, right? Well, that's it, slippery slope. We talked about slippery slopes last week and how I'm a slippery slope guy. That's what I was talking about with the puberty blockers, right? Um, yeah, no, what's next? Polypropylene. <laughs> oh, this is a good story. You want to talk about polypropylene? You want to talk so, about it. <laughs> yes, I do. So polypropylene is the hard plastic. Polypropylene is like the deodorant container, right? Like your Old Spice High Endurance um, or your Gillette. That's like the polypropylene as opposed to the polyethylene, which you drink your water and your soda out of, which is much easily recyclable. The stuff that you drink out of as opposed to your consumer goods plastics are much easily recycled. And so the hard ones, the polypropylenes, the deodorant containers, they're really hard to recycle. Um, and so only 3% of them actually end up getting recycled, even though we throw them all in the recycle bin because a couple of reasons. Um, one, when you recycle them, um, they turn to like gray and black as opposed to clear. So it's tougher like Johnson and Johnson to reuse them because they don't want to put deodorant in a black container that like doesn't scream clean and fresh, right? It's gotta be like clear to put deodorant in or Dawn soap or whatever. Um, but another reason is because um, it's hard to reform those plastics. They have like different rigidity um, uh, material characteristics after they're recycled. And so only 3% of all the polypropylene gets recycled. We've done a much better job with the polyethylene, the soda and water bottles. I am here with 
good <laughs> Gerardo. Please Someone. share. We need some good news. Country's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> Procter and Gamble has figured out how to recycle the polypropylene so it has the right material properties. It's in the right size, little tiny plastic beads that we need to to turn into Dawn dish soap bottles and back into clear high endurance uh, deodorant containers. Um, and he's figured out how to, to make it clear. So this is a Procter and Gamble scientist that's figured this out. They've just set up the first such, um, call it a factory or a industrial site to do this in Ohio, I believe. And, um, and one of the biggest breakthroughs in recycling in a long time that should allow us to, to turn those, uh, uh, polypropylene hard plastics back into products that can then be recycled again, as opposed to finding themselves in a landfill and, um, I don't know. I think that's just a feel good story about human achievement and solving problems. And um, it's like real and it works. Right. It's not like let's blow some air into a cave and hope to like in 20 years, that'll be an energy story. <laughs> it's no, not solar roads. That's right. It's plastics that we can actually reuse right now in a process that works. And so um, I'm all for it. I thought that was a feel good story. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I like ending on a good note. So I think we should end there, but let me give you my very quick uh, Beyond Meat burger review. I figured out why the company is so successful. Because, Go on. Because after you eat it, you're still hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to That's come back joke. and get more. No, all jokes aside, listen, I said last week, I did my, 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 my goal for the week was to get outside of the house, to go buy one of these burgers, to have an open mind and to give it a go. You, here's my take. You can clearly tell the difference. There isn't, uh, oh my God, if you close my eyes, I wouldn't know the difference between this and my great Hop Dottie's burger. Not, not, not the case. You can tell the difference. It is, it is relatively good. I am a carnivore, so tough judge, right? But it, 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 it's, it's good. It, it, it would do. It's not a bad burger. You, the, the, the texture of it is definitely different. Um, you feel lighter, which of course makes sense because it's plant-based. It's a plant-based patty um, after you eat it. But I definitely walked away feeling like I still want a burger. <laughs> so I think that's why the business model works. I think it makes, um, you know, Certain people feel good, and I think other people that don't eat meat, I think it's a great option for them. Uh, me, myself, I'm definitely sticking to my Yano Poblanos at Habdadi's, um, which is very meat-based, very delicious, and uh, yeah, that's my take. So it wasn't bad, though. It was better than I thought it was going to be. That's all I got. Um, I Well, I know we want to wrap this up, but I was reading some things this week saying that um, it's good on the uh, water consumption front because it takes so much water to raise beef. And so if you're looking to yep. not eat meat or to save resources, that's good. That's great. Um, but on the, emission, on the emissions, not so good because it relies heavily on industrialized mechanized farming to, 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 to grow the crops that are necessary for the um, inputs, GMOs, et cetera. And so, um, you know, everything in life is a trade-off, including your feel-good meatless burger. Agreed. It's kind of like my metal straws that I run around at the club with. <laughs>
you debunked the whole plastic straw thing for us, I think, four months ago, Nick. Is that accurate? <laughs> yep. All right. Another feel-good story, and this is breaking right as we leave, everybody. A federal judge has blocked the Trump administration from imposing new rules that would allow, <laughs> guarantee, the lengthy detention of migrant children. So what a federal judge had the brains to do was saying, if they're here illegally and that is the only crime they committed and they are children, then deport them. You're not going to keep them and pimp them indefinitely. Get them out of the country. If that's the law they broke, you're not just going to keep them and traumatize these kids forever. So I'm glad that judge had some sense. I am Gerardo Del Real. Mr. Nick Hodge, thank you again for your insights. This is episode 38 of Bizarro World. Have a great week, everybody. Nick, have a great week chasing, what were you chasing again? Antelope. Bring back some antelope. I look forward to it the next time I visit. Beyond antelope. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. Take care. Love each other. Be nice. Say something nice to each other. Don't be creepy about it. See you next week. See ya.